Hello and welcome to LPO Offstage. I'm Yolanda Brown and this is the podcast where we explore the world of classical music and what goes on behind the scenes of the London Philharmonic Orchestra. Today we'll be talking all things touring and I'm joined by two LPO members hot off the plane from their tour to Asia, violinist Minma Joe and horn player Mark Vines. Welcome back Min and Mark, it's brilliant to have you back on the podcast. Hi Yolanda. Hi, thank you. Well, I'm going to start things off, warm us up with some quick fire questions. We call it this or that. All you have to do is choose one and I'll only take one answer. Here we go. Long haul or short haul flight? Min. Short. Mark. Short. Dinner, pre or post concert? Mark. Both. (laughs) I'll let you have that one. (laughs) Min. Definitely pre. (laughs) Sightseeing or sleeping pre-concert? Min. Sleeping. (laughs) Mark. Sleeping. (laughs) Good. All right. I'm getting to know you very well. Okay. This doesn't quite cover your recent tour, but Europe or America? Mark. Europe. Min. America, just to be balanced. (laughs) (laughs) Good. We're going. (laughs) I've only got a couple more. You're doing very well. Train or plane? Min. Train. Mark. Train. And for your suitcase, soft or hard shell? Mark. Hard shell. Min. Hard shell. Very good. Very good. Oh, thank you. I like how decisive (laughs) you both were. Very, very committed. Very good. Well, I know that we'll sort of delve into that a bit more during these questions, but it's lovely to have you both here. What's it been like being back on the road and sort of doing more intense touring, Mark? It's been amazing and it's been tiring. It's it, You forget how much it takes out of you. Often we're travelling from different cities to different city day after day. Asia's usually a bit better. We normally have a couple of days in the same place. Europe, it tends to be a different city every day, but it's it's really tiring. There's a lot of travel. You, you do work hard and you tend to play hard as well. So when you get back, you're exhausted. But it's it's brilliant. I love it. I really I really do enjoy it. And and for you, Min, I mean, you said, you know, obviously flying there and the journey is, is quite tiring. What is it like for you, the, the in-between bits, not necessarily just the playing? It depends how long the tour is. So something that's a very long tour, like Mark says, with lots of travelling every day, that can get quite tiring if you've got a big suitcase. When we were in Asia, we had more days in one place and we had a luggage truck and stuff. So that definitely helps. But yeah, it's a balance of physical... And uh, as well as the playing. <laughs> Absolutely so. And how far in advance do you get to hear about the tours? How far can you plan knowing that you're going to be on the road for a certain amount of time? We normally get an advanced schedule for the orchestra sort of around about sort of February time, which gives you sort of the next season. The longest you sort of know is, is, is about roughly about a year in advance. It can be sort of between six months to 12 months in advance. And you'll see an outline normally of a tour. So it might say possible Asia tour and there'll be a couple of TBCs and there'll be this city and that city. And then they change over time. So you normally have an idea that you're going away, um, but it's not always fully formed until quite a lot later. So this last Asia tour, for instance, the Korea segment of the tour was in place very, very early. And um, our office were trying to find other venues other countries to go to to make the tour more worthwhile when you're going such a long distance and I think that took some time you know getting venues available at the right time who want the the right repertoire and the soloist Um, so we managed to get the the concerts in Taiwan which is fantastic but I, I know there are some other countries that they investigated and just didn't quite pan out this time. 
Makes sense. Makes sense. And I'm going to delve into this question. I, I This is the hardest part for me about touring. It's traveling with your instrument. Right. And I know maybe in the orchestra, some have it easier than others. But Min, do you travel with your violin? Do you take it on the plane with you? Do you send it? Or how do you send the larger instruments? Tell me more about it. Well, I tend to prefer keeping my violin with me. And fortunately, I've got an instrument and a case that means that I can, it's within the most airplane restrictions for taking your bags on board. Some people put their instruments in the box, or which basically goes on the truck um, if we're in Europe, or it flies kind of separately, which is quite nice because then you don't have to worry about it when you travel. But I just am a bit more paranoid, so I prefer to keep it with me. I hear that. I hear that. And, and Mark, are there musicians that have instruments that maybe don't quite fit the baggage regulation, but they want to keep their instrument with them? I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the classic case, we really should have had a cellist on this podcast because that's the classic one. Um, most of the, if you play that sort of in-between size instrument, like a cello um, or a you know, larger instrument, even a trombone, you have the option. You can either put it on the cargo or you can take it with you. So our principal cellist nearly always carries as far as I know because she's got a very valuable instrument. So they have to buy a seat for the cello. So she, she sits on a plane and she sits next to her cello. I don't think the cello gets a meal, but um, she does get the luxury of not having someone next to her. I think it's worth it for her and it's worth it with a valuable instrument to keep it on you. But a lot of people would just choose to put it on the cargo. And the French horn will fit in the overheads most of the time. But on the Asia tour, for instance, I just put it on the cargo. It was just easier. And if you don't have to worry about getting an instrument in an overhead locker on a plane, it takes so much of the stress away because normally we've got an orchestra boarding and you've got 20 violins a lot of violas and everyone's trying to fight for the overhead locker space and you end up with an instrument at the other end of the plane from where you are it's a lot of stress and if you can take that away from it it's it really helps the downside is then you can be without your instrument for two or three days yes so you turn up at the hall and there it is and you've got to remember how to play it so it swings and roundabouts really <laughs> Our principal cellist, Christina, found it quite funny when we went to Taiwan because she had to put her cello in a big body bag, basically, which just looked ridiculous. And some airlines insist on the cello being upside down or something like that because it fits better in the seat. It's just, yeah, it's bizarre. Oh, my goodness. Speaking of instruments upside down, I remember doing a tour a while ago and... Because the double basses, they have special flight cases, uh, more heavy duty. But um, I remember one lady arrived home and the double bass was upside down and I don't know how long they'd kept it upside down for I don't know how they did that or why because there are many fragile stickers and this way up but obviously something got lost in translation anyway she opened the case and the neck had come apart from the body of the base no so yeah which was pretty bad very bad (laughs) I mean when the way horror stories go I mean that is just horrific isn't it and usually you're opening the case before a rehearsal or you know even for the concert when you get to the hall what happens then I mean what what would have happened in that situation would there be a backup um well she 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 saw that it was upside down so immediately she opened it to check so that was at the airport so she I don't know what she did after that probably managed to find a spare somewhere and get it fixed if you're on the tour already it's normally a case of trying to track down an instrument to use for that night and potentially the rest of the tour finding qualified repair people all over the world you you don't know where you're going you often have someone that you trust back home so that's why the more valuable your instrument and if it's small enough people do tend to take them and there's also a big difference with um, a long haul and and going to Europe because with Europe we'll, we'll take a truck across and so we have our own 
crew dealing with the instruments day in day out loading them unloading them so you've got that trust you know the people that work for the orchestra who do a brilliant job looking after our instruments and they do their best with the flights they they accompany the the instruments to the to the airport they oversee them loaded onto the cargo and they oversee them at the other end they oversee them going into the hall they do their absolute best but there's always going to be a period of time where it's out of their control and and it's at the trust of the airlines so yeah it's, it's a bit of a fingers crossed moment how about you, Yolanda? Do you take multiple saxophones with you when you travel? Well, I've, I've invested in, in an amazing case and I can have all three saxophones in the one case and it's still nice. the size of a, a tenor, tenor saxophone because that's my, the largest one. So I have a tenor saxophone, alto saxophone and soprano. But every single time I check in for a flight, it's that anxiety and thinking, is someone going to tell me that I can't take it? I know it fits in the overhead locker of all the planes. I've taken a picture in every model and every plane in every country that I've been in with proof. Um, And usually with a little bit of, you know, arguing the case, I I usually get it on. But there was this one time I was traveling from Germany back to London City and um, this person just wasn't hearing me and said, no, you have to put it in the hold. I said, it's, it's still fragile, even though the case is it's fiberglass and the rest, it, it's still fragile. It needs to come with me. And I have a show tonight. I need the saxophone. No, no, you cannot travel. You cannot travel. So in the end, lots of fragile stickers around the case. I tentatively put it into the hold, got to City Airport. All the bags came off the plane. No saxophone. Oh, no. <gasps> so I went to the I went to the desk. I said, sorry, I've got a gig tonight. I've already, you know, had a really stressful time getting on the plane. Where is my instrument? Oh, I don't know. Have you got the luggage tag? Yes. Oh, we can't seem to, we can't seem to find, you know, the fluttering in my heart. I can't seem to find. Luckily, I'd put a tracker on my, on my saxophone. I could see it was still in Germany in the airport. And so then we had to sort of, with the use of social media and some other things, had to pull a lot of strings to say, somebody find this instrument and get it on the next flight. It didn't come in time, sadly. Um, I was given another instrument. But again, equally, you know, I always travel with my mouthpiece. But to play another instrument for a concert of your own is is really not fair. Mm. Uh, so I do hope that there'll be some travel enthusiasts or airlines listening to this podcast who might find <laughs> a solution for us. I don't know. You know, they fit in the overhead locker and sometimes people don't have wheelie bags. If there's space, why not let it on? You know, mm. as you can tell, I'm quite hurt and quite bitter about yeah. that experience. And since uh. then, I've never put it in the hold since. So <laughs> if you see me at an airport and I'm making a fool of myself, you'll know why. <laughs> Okay, well, back to the human side of things. How about jet lag? I mean, you talk about these long flights and how do you deal with with jet lag and still having to perform? I usually just go straight into the time zone that I'm in. So if that means missing a meal to sleep and then waking up at the right time or something, I just try and get straight into it. Otherwise, the next day is just kind of ruined. But we usually, when we do long haul flights, we usually have a free day after arrival. So there's a bit of time to kind of adjust um, good. find your feet <laughs> get a good meal yeah, yeah. <laughs> mark do you have that's a really good top tip though no matter what time zone you've come from you land and you sort of adhere to what you'd be doing on that day if you were in that time zone it's a, it's a great tip mark any tips for jet lag yeah i always find it harder 
going to Asia, traveling east, because the jet lag seems much worse that way. When, when you come back home or, you know, come back to the UK, coming back west, um, you just wake up a bit early in the morning and that's okay. But going out to Asia um, or anywhere in that direction, it, it just is really tough and you get these waves of tiredness in the middle of the afternoon and usually just when you have to be on stage. And um, it, it's mm. difficult. It's difficult to stay awake. So, I mean, the only thing I, I find I can do is the same as men, I'll try and get into the time zone as quickly as possible. So resist the temptation to nap on arrival if it's sort of after lunch. So get yourself so you're tired enough to sleep. And you can usually sleep the first night because you're really tired and it's the second night mm. where it's a bit harder. I like to go for a run as soon as I get off the plane. Well, not as soon as I get off the plane, as soon as I get to the hotel. <laughs> and um, I like just to get run out. from and, the plane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I like to get out and get some exercise, even if it's just, you know, a half an hour just to get out and just to sort of, kickstart things and it, I find that really helps I never want to go mm. but as soon as I'm out there and as soon as I get back I, I find it refreshes me more than a nap will do but the, other than that I've got no real secrets it's just sort of pushing through really <laughs> usually by the time you're sort of in the time zone it's time to go home <laughs> that's very true that's absolutely very true and obviously you're in the business of music. You make music for a living. You're always around music. So what do you have or do you even have headphones on when you're traveling? Do you listen to music? Do you listen to something else or not listen at all? Min? When I'm on the plane, I'm usually, I'm quite good at sleeping on moving vehicles. <laughs> um, <laughs> so good. I probably have fallen asleep before we've even taken off. Um, and then I use my noise cancelling headphones I've also got earplugs as well I don't tend to listen to music when I'm on the plane uh, mainly because even with these noise cancelling headphones that you can still hear a little bit of what's going on around you if it's a long-haul flight I'll watch films or sometimes even like ASMR videos so just like rainfall sounds just something in the background nice because that kind of masks people talking as well and that sort of thing so that's very clever yeah. I like that good stuff uh, and for you Mark do you do you listen to music do you, do you even listen to music in your free time yeah I'll, I'll put music on I'll try and watch movies if either you have a few on my iPad or, or just watch what's on the plane I tend to doze a lot on flights but not really sleep very well so I'll I'll start a movie and then I'll find myself dropping off. So I'll somehow just sort of pause the movie and fall asleep and then wake up and watch a bit more of the movie. Um, it's, you know, you were talking about noise cancelling headphones, man. I think we should be sponsored by a noise cancelling headphone firm because <laughs> yes, I think please. every musician that tours, there's, you, you, everyone's got them. You know, there's, there's, almost without exception, you just watch everyone that's just sort of sitting over there. I won't mention any brands, but <laughs> there's two or three famous <laughs> ones and pe people have always got them. So, yeah, we need to find some sponsorship, I think. But it's trying to shut things out, particularly on long haul, a long haul where you really, it, it's such a long way. And even having a few beers before you get there, for me, I used to do that. And now on a long haul, I tend to avoid that a little bit because I think it, it makes the tiredness worse, it makes the jet lag worse. It, it, it dehydrates you, which isn't great as a brass player. Short haul's a bit different. Short haul is a couple of hours on the flight. I think most of the travel time on short haul is at the airport itself. And so it's a very different vibe. Um, it's, it's, it tends to be much more social. People are sort of chatting to each other and, and you're chatting to the person next to you. So it's, it's a completely different vibe. But long haul, I like to shut myself away. I like to sort of cocoon myself. 
hunker down oh yeah. no really really good tips here it's, it's lovely to hear and if you ever do travel British Airways it, it must be said that you can also tune in to the LPO Offstage podcast because it's That's now on there true. on the in-flight entertainment so you can listen to yourself on the way <laughs> I, I, spot, I, I had a friend who texted me from a flight uh, you know, on, the, on, the, on the Wi-Fi on the flight he said I've just found the, the LPO podcast <laughs> so I said oh if you look for this one I, I named a couple that I did and he found it so there's my friend up in the there air somewhere go. listening to me talk <laughs> I felt sorry for him. I tell you, we, we look after everybody. I tell you, we do. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the, the tips are working. This is good. This is good. Are there any sort of non-musical items that you just have to have with you when you're touring, Min? I met a friend in South Korea and she very sweetly gave me an electronic hand warmer, which also actually doubles up as a phone charger. But it's great, obviously, for a string player. It's, it's perfect for... Well, right now, even in London, when it's starting to get a bit frosty and your hands are freezing, yeah, it, it heats up really quickly. You just hold the button down and it's, it's the best thing. So now that comes with me everywhere. That's very cool. Yeah, much needed. Uh, we're recording in December at the moment. It's very, very frosty. So a good one to have. Uh, Mark, how about for you? Yeah, so charges. Charges for every device, you know, <laughs> phone chargers, iPad <laughs> chargers, headphone chargers. Um, all those, that, that's the f- first thing I sort of double check and double check. Um, passports, visas, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> but it's easy to forget and people have forgotten them. And for me, running clothes, all, all my running gear, I, I like to run, as I mentioned already, I, I run on tour. I try and run most cities and, and get out there. So my suitcase is usually half full of running gear, which gradually gets less pleasant <laughs> as the tour goes yeah. on. As the tour goes on, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is a, a, an interesting question. I mean, laundry on tour, do you pack enough for the whole tour or do you get a chance to use the laundry facilities either in venues or in the hotels that you're staying in? Um, laundry is a, it's a nightmare on tours because you, you're normally travelling between places. So even if you could afford the hotel laundry, which usually charge per item, yes. there's not normally time <laughs> to get it done. Um, the, we did a tour to Germany very recently, a two-week tour, and that, I found that really tough to pack for because I almost had to pack enough stuff for the entire trip, including uh, fitness gear. And I ended up buying a few items of clothing later in the tour because I was hoping to find some sort of laundry and I just couldn't. Asia's better. I, 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 when I went through Hong Kong, you can just drop your laundry off a little shop and they'll launder it and fold it and have it back to you within three or four hours. So it's sort of set yeah. up for that. And I've done that in New York as well. So certain places, certain cities are really set up for that. But in general, I, I find it really tough and you just, you've got to try and pack for the whole time. I don't know about you, Min. Do, do you do the same? Yeah, I do the same. I had to buy more socks and pants, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, me too, but I wasn't going to get so specific, but yeah. (laughs) These are all the top tips that people need, I tell you. (laughs) But it is good to know that you can get out there and buy what you need. I mean, what's the allocation for an LPO member? If they say, you know, we're going on a two-week tour, do they tell you how many kilos, how many bags you can take? Because I'm I'm a kitchen sink kind of packer. I pack everything and the kitchen sink. So, you, I mean, you've still got to pack for show days. You've got your, maybe your tails, you've got your, your dress outfits, and then what you're going to wear in the daytime as well. How much luggage are you allowed? Do you ever put anything else in the wardrobe box to save some weight? You're not allowed to. Strict carnets. <gasps> oh, We've been really? in trouble for that oh, in the past. Yeah. You know, I remember one, one occasion, and we'll mention no names, but someone bought a pair of running shoes and stuck them in a cargo box, and it, it got flagged up by customs and caused all sorts of trouble. So, yeah, we're, they're very, very strict on what goes in the boxes and, so what does the know. carnet say is, is that sort of a certificate that defines what's allowed to be in there 
Yeah, the carne is a, it's a list of all the items that will go on the cargo. And even in Europe, we need those now. And um, the basic idea is what goes in comes out. Um, so if your <laughs> instrument travels on the tour in the cargo, it has to come back in the cargo. Yeah, it's, it's quite, they're quite strict on it. It's both space and, yeah, the, the strictness of the cargo rules. Very interesting. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, you've got to make sure you declare what you're taking in and taking out. Have you lost anything on tour before or has the orchestra ever lost something that was really, really important to the tour? I'm sure it's happened. There's often cases go missing. I mean, it's the usual, anyone's experience with flying, I mean, cases go missing. I think on a recent tour, one of our percussionists, her case got left behind. And so, yeah, that's the usual thing people have to deal with. And so actually the orchestra, they advise you to keep things like music in your hand luggage. Um, in case that that happens. So if you're carrying your own, most of us aren't carrying our own music, but some people take parts away to practice and they're saying if you do or anything you need for the concert, carry in your hand luggage. So you have to be a bit careful. But yeah, I th- things get lost. Certainly they do. Um, but we, we we always seem to find a way around it. Well, I'm going to hark back to one of our this or that questions because we spoke about long haul or short haul flights. But what's your preference on sort of longer spanning tours or shorter ones? Do you prefer to sort of really get into a tour and be there for for how long would a tour be? Month? A month is the longest you'd go for? Uh, or would you rather sort of just dip in and dip out and get back home? I mean, what's the best? Um, I think our longest tour is actually about two weeks, generally okay. speaking. And yeah, so our most recent Asia tour was 10 days, I think. Nice. Um, and I think it depends because I've never been to Taiwan before. So it was amazing to have some time there and also exploring around South Korea. So I'm glad we had like 10 days as opposed to just a week, maybe. I think we were quite lucky on that. On the Asia tour, we were quite lucky, weren't we? Because, um, well, not lucky for the orchestra, but one of the planned concerts fell through uh, a few months beforehand when the schedule was already decided. And it was in the middle of the tour, which meant we had an extra free day. We, we, sort of, we had the free day after you arrived to get over the jet lag, then a few concerts, then we had this unscheduled free day. So we got a little bit more time to explore Seoul, um, which was really nice. We, that wouldn't normally happen. So, yeah, it's good to have a bit of downtime during the tour. Brilliant. Well, I'm intrigued about this day off now. So, Mark, what did you do with that unscheduled day off? Ah, in Seoul. So I um, I found this um, route around the old city walls of Seoul. So I, I did a sort of run hike around there, which took me a few hours. It starts off in the city and climbs up to one, one of the viewing points and then goes to one of the, one of the northern parts of the city and over all the old fortifications and sort of up and down mountains and lots and lots and lots of steps. Whoa. And um, yeah. you get a real, I got a real feeling for the city that I'd never got. I'd been to Seoul three or four times before and I'd never done anything like that. I'd never had the time. So I got out and did that. And um, that was just fantastic. Sounds amazing. Mm. Brilliant. And Min, what did you do with your day off? I went to the um, Gyeongbokgung Palace. I really hope I'm saying that right. Because the first free day after we arrived, I'd tried to go, but it was a national holiday. So it was closed. So it was really great that we had this extra free day. So we were able to go and visit there. And yeah, similar to Mark, just a lot of walking around, um, yeah. exploring. I, I just like kind of wandering around cities kind of without necessarily a, an aim. Yes, <laughs> just kind absolutely. of getting a feeling. But it's just a very beautiful area and just learn a bit about the history and things like that. Perfect. How about the audiences? So you've just come off of this uh, South Asian tour. What was the audience like compared to the UK, Min? 
Um, the audience are great. Um, they're very vocal. Like they, they like to cheer and whoop, which is kind of cool because it nice. makes you feel like you're a rock star. <laughs> you are rock stars. Oh, oh thank you. <laughs> but it's lovely because also in Asia, more so than in London or in Europe, big crowds of people waiting outside the stage door and our principal conductor Ed Gardner had lots of requests to sign CDs and albums so it's very sweet yeah it's really nice so you're saying you don't get much of that in the UK no, Asia's the only place we go where even, even the orchestral musicians get asked to sign programmes on the way out. That yes, It doesn't happen anywhere else. <laughs> wow, yeah. that's true rock stars. Yeah, I was going to say the same. You, you don't really change how you perform. You're always trying to do your absolute best. Um, you always play to your best. And you, you do get a lot of energy back from the audiences. So we were talking about jet lag earlier on. And, uh, and if you walk out and you get this massive round of applause when you walk on the stage and then after the overture or the first piece, you get another massive round of applause. That does, it, it does help. It, it really yes. does. So that enthusiasm is infectious. So I, I think that really helps. It helps you maintain your energy levels. So, so the, yeah, the audience does have an effect. Um, but you don't go out, you don't set out to change what you do. You, you always set out to do your best performance and then it's so satisfying to have an audience that really appreciates it. And how about dealing with different climates? I mean, mostly you're inside a theatre, which I'm guessing, but maybe not, the climate control is there. But what about sort of having to adjust yourself, the instrument, to different climates that you've played in? Have you got any sort of extreme memories of either it being too hot and something happens to the instrument or the other way around? I mean, yeah. I find humidity makes a huge difference, obviously, as a string player. When I used to do quartet tours to Japan, if you go around end of summertime, kind of towards the rainy season, it's really hot and really humid. And my hands swell up and it just and and the instrument also just kind of it just sounds different because I know the wood is just swelled up or something. But but it, it has an effect and my violin really hates humidity really can't stand it (laughs) um so yeah and or if it's really dry then your bow will tighten up as well so you have to keep like in the middle of the performance just oh why is this so tight I have to loosen it up um just little things like that which probably no one would notice apart from yourself but um yeah yeah, does make a difference when you're in the moment how about for you mark you don't have wood to contend with but so with your horn is there anything that the climate does to it yeah, it's it, it's not such a big deal as it is for string players um, or the changes of climate. For the instrument, um, the, the, the worst thing that can happen really is, is you get a bit of extra water in there, you have to keep emptying out. And if, the, if it's, usually there's something to do with the combination of air conditioning or coming from hot to cold. I'm not sure what causes it. But the biggest thing for, for brass players is the effect on your lips, actually, the dehydration in particular. So flights are notoriously bad for it. They dehydrate you and... Um, you, the first time you pick up the instrument to play after, a, even after a short flight, even after a one-hour flight, it, it's enough to change things, and and you and you just things aren't responding the right way, which is why when you ask the quick-fire questions, do I prefer flights or trains? I said trains, because oh, <laughs> yes, I mean sometimes trains aren't uh-huh. practical, but it's it doesn't affect me in the same way. You 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 get there and. Your lips are pretty much the same as when you started. So, um, yeah, it's, it's the, the dehydration is a big thing. You have to make sure you drink plenty of water. And, of course, there's usually a bit of self-inflicted dehydration on tours as well. So. Well, of course. Well, yeah. of course. That goes part and parcel. Yeah. Well, I'm going to start as we began with a few more quick fire questions because you're so good at them. Somewhere that you haven't been able to get to yet. 
Where's a, a place that you haven't toured yet that you can't wait to play at? Min. Well, New Zealand, but just because I want to go to New Zealand. <laughs> this is how we get there. Let music get you there. Okay, brilliant. And Mark? India. Oh, yes. Very good. All right. Lovely. And then your favourite touring memory, Min. I don't know if I have one in particular, but it's always when you're meeting up with friends in a country that you haven't been to or is difficult to get to, I think. And do you ever invite them to the gig afterwards? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like in um, when we were in Seoul, I have a friend there who I haven't seen for eight years because we did a music course together in Switzerland. Um, and I met up with her and she came to the concert with her mum. That was great. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Uh, and for you, Mark, any favourite or strange touring memories? Uh, my favourite memories are always the, 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 the really good nights out, the really good meals you have with, with your colleagues, with your friends and just some fantastic nights out. But I, I can't put my finger on one single occasion not that I'm allowed to talk about so well exactly yeah, you must be held to some sort of uh, silence what goes on act tour on stays on one. tour <laughs> absolutely <laughs> does and that is a great way to wrap it up what goes on tour stays on tour and I'm absolutely so glad that you could share all that you did today thank you so much Mark and Min thank you thank you Well, that's it for now from LPO Offstage with me, Yolanda Brown. Thanks so much to Min and Mark for joining me today and telling us what it's like going on tour as a musician. And if you'd like to send in any questions to be featured in this current series, then please email offstage at lpo.org.uk. Whether you'd like to know more about where to buy concert clothes or how to calm your nerves before a big solo, that's offstage at lpo.org.uk. Or you can message us on social media at London Philharmonic Orchestra. I'll see you next time.